right. No? 2 Corinthians 6. Let's turn there together. 2 Corinthians 6. If you have other questions, please come up to me and ask. Or my sons and my sons and daughter, they love to answer questions, by the way. Don't be afraid to ask them. Um, please, if you're interested in signing up for our prayer letters or emails, I send out emails about twice a month and send out prayer letters about every two months um, about our work. Uh, please pray. And please pray that we will get back to Hong Kong in February or March. That is our goal, to be back in Hong Kong. 2 Corinthians 6. I spoke this morning about the book of 2 Corinthians a bit, uh, that it's about ministry and where the power comes from. Uh, and, and we're going to look today, tonight at, the, at the last, one of the last parts in the first section of the book, which is about evangelism and discipleship, the missionary, the missionary um, work of the church, ministry of the church. And the fact that it's interesting, this book... Because it's about ministry, three different ministries, and Paul is trying to relate where the power came from to keep doing those ministries that he did, um, he's trying to help us see that I think the idea is that he wants us to get a certain philosophy, a way of thinking about our ministry. And of course... And it's interesting, though, that his, he comes at it from a certain viewpoint. He talks about the difficulties of the ministry. In chapter 1, he talks about the sufferings, the persecutions that he had gone through. And he says that there was a God gave the supernatural power to keep on going through the sufferings and not quit. And that was because of, he says, I die with Christ and yet I'm resurrected with him again. He, was, he thought he would die. God raised him back from the dead, he says, and kept him going. Um, there's a supernatural power to overcome sufferings. In chapter 2, he talked about sins, that that supernatural power of God can overcome sin and all the influences of sin on the church and instead turn sin, and it's interesting, that, that transforming power of the resurrection turns suffering into comfort. It also turns sin into into a glorious thing because God transforms lives. That's chapter 2 and 3. Chapter 4 and 5 talk about discouragements. And he was a discouraged man sometimes, and we all get that way. And he talks about how the, by the power of the resurrection, he was able to overcome the discouragements. And then he comes to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, I think he's kind of wrapping it all up, summarizing and he summarizes by giving us a list. And most people, they look at this list and they go, wow, what does that mean? <laughs> but I want you to think with me about this list and what it says about ministry. And I want you to see that what he is saying is that we need the power of God in order to be the kind of people that no matter what happens, we keep on. The word is faithfulness. He uses a different word for it. I want you to see it, though, in verse 4. He says, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, and then he uses the phrase, in much patience or endurance. This is the word. This is not the word that's commonly used for patience with people. You know, uh, some people are just irritating, and you have to be patient with them. That's not this word. That's long-suffering. Okay? You suffer long with some folks, okay? We all do. Because the personalities don't always match. 
But this is the word for endurance, and it means staying under a burden. There's a burden on your back, and you just keep carrying that load, and you don't quit. That's this word. That word is the key phrase to this entire list that you're, we're going to look at today. And the reason I know that is because it's different. It starts out in much patience, and then he goes into the list. In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, you see the phrase in and a, and a noun every time. Okay? He goes through nine of those. So that in much patience stands out. He's emphasizing that, that we need to have endurance. How can we be faithful? And I want you to think about this, not just how, but even what is faithfulness? We have to define faithfulness. I think a lot of times we fail to define what it means. What does it look like practically to be faithful? Well, I want you to see that with me in these verses real quickly. Verses 1 and to 3. And I'm going to read them. He says, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. You notice what he's doing there. He's telling us what his view of the ministry was. And that was that he maintained, I'm going to say, a godly purpose. His purposes were always right. If you're going to be faithful, you must have the same purposes that God wants you to have. The same motivations. What kind of motives are we supposed to have? Well, he says, we work together with God. We don't work apart from God, right? When we try to work apart from God, we fail every time. But when we work together with God, doing the things that he wants us to do in the way he wants it done, he works with us and people get saved. And that's why he tells us, he says, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That's interesting. He's saying that we're out for true salvation, right? We're not out for a fake salvation. There are people out there that in days gone by in America that there were churches that boasted that they would go out and talk to people sitting at a red light and before the light turned, they would win someone to Christ. I have to question that. I have to question that. I have never seen anyone saved that fast. And in fact, in, in the course of our ministry in Hong Kong, it's an interesting thing. Um, we only have only seen one person saved in less than six months in the entire time I've been in Hong Kong. Okay? It takes six months of constant sharing the gospel, getting to know them, and them hearing the gospel. And then they usually when they get interested, they start coming to church every Sunday. And then they get saved. Because they want to understand, they feel a need to understand this because they start with no knowledge. I think actually, isn't, don't you think it's true that America is becoming more like that though? That we're becoming more of a pagan nation that has no knowledge of the gospel? And so therefore our sharing of the gospel has to be thorough. It can't be this quick sharing of, the, of, of, of believe in Jesus or make a commitment to Jesus nowadays is the common one among this kind of folks. And, and that's all we ask. And the result is they're not saved. 
I have seen several folks in Hong Kong, I can think of at least a dozen, almost off the top of my head, that we have tried to get into our church that claim to be Christians. They don't have a church of their own. We've tried to tell them they should be going to church if they're Christians. They're not interested. They have no interest in Bible study, no interest in sharing the gospel with others, no interest in growth as a Christian. But they supposedly made a decision somewhere. There are a lot of, quote, Christian schools in Hong Kong that were started by denominational groups. And they, they, they teach the Bible in some form, put it that way. But I fear they're not teaching repentance. These are people who are still worshiping idols. These are people who are still going on their same way of life. I don't believe they're saved, I'm sad to say. When we are faithful, we are people who are working together with God to produce something that's true fruit, not fake fruit. Okay? Have you ever tried eating fake fruit? It's kind of, it's nasty. Okay? It's nasty stuff. Real fruit is the only thing that's worth having. Let me move on. We're also, down in verse 3 and 4, out for a testimony. This is really important. It's not just we're out for souls. We're out to do it, make a testimony for God in this world. He says, we give no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. He says, we're doing our best to make sure that people, when people look at us, they know this is real. This guy's not a faker. He's not your religious quack that's out there for your money, which is very common. Sadly, he's a real man of God. And I can tell by how he lives. Now he's going to go on to explain exactly what that means. So, first of all, maintenance of godly motives. Secondly, is the endurance in difficulties. This list that he goes into in verse 4. He says, in much patience, and then he tells us endurance or patience in what areas. And he gives us a list down through verse 5 of nine different items. And I want you to think about those items with me. They, they're grouped in threes. He says, in afflictions, that's a common word in the book of Acts. You know, we must through much affliction or tribulation enter into the kingdom of God, Paul told the people often. This is kind of the common afflictions of everyday life that a Christian will, will go through because he's a Christian. Not specific persecution, but people not liking him, people avoiding him. I mean, I remember when, I, when my brother and I got saved, the first thing that happened is all our friends that we had been, been good friends with for years decided they didn't want to be our friends anymore. Has that ever happened to you? And it was because we were sharing the gospel with them. They said, that's enough of that. I don't want to hear that anymore. That, that kind of stuff happens. In necessities. These are the times when we go through need. Just a general kind of need. And then in distresses. This is the emotional side where we have an emotional feeling as a result of the difficulty we're going through. All three of those are talking about general difficulties that all Christians suffer at some time or another. Then there's persecution. He goes through the next three, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults. Those are three kinds of specific things that are involuntary brought down on us by unsafe people. They might beat us. They might imprison us. They might riot even as a result of what we're doing. 
Now, in America, that doesn't happen very much. But in America, we, all, some, we suffer mild forms of persecution. Okay. And then lastly, he talks about sacrifices. He says in verse 5, in labors, in watchings, and in fastings. Interesting. That sometimes we have to labor, and that word means labor to exhaustion. We do. Sometimes we have to not sleep, watchings. Sometimes we have to not eat fastings because we are so concerned about what God, or for the work of God and we want to pray or we want to do God's work and we're willing to give something up. And God, through Paul here, is saying to us <clears throat> that when we are faithful, we will endure in serving God through those times of difficulty through those times of sacrifice. And so we should ask ourselves, am I willing to be that kind of Christian that says, you know, if I have to suffer, if I have to sacrifice, I'm willing. God looks for that kind of Christian and says, faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Sec thirdly, he goes on verses 6 and 7, and I'm going to have to run here now. He changes the phraseology by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness. You notice the by and a noun. And then he switches to by and a phrase, by the Holy Ghost. Literally, that's by the spirit of holiness. By love unfeigned. Literally, that's by love, uh, by a love that is unhypocritical. Same phraseology, basically by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. He's, he's trying to indicate for us two sections. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness. Those are words that describe what? Any idea? They describe a Christian character, don't they? A person and their godly character. And he's saying we have to be people who endure in living that godly life out, and specifically in regard to our relationships with people. That we are people whom people know we are long-suffering. Who people know we are pure. We are careful about maintaining purity. I want to challenge you. Endurance in godly character demands that we endure in using the weapons God has given us. And that's the next section, by the way. By the whole spirit of holiness, this love that is unfeigned, the word of truth. These are, instead of personal character, these are weapons that we can use to influence the lost. Have you ever noticed when someone knows you really love them, they're more willing to listen? They can tell. When someone knows that you're speaking truth, they're more willing to listen. When someone knows that, you, that they can sense the power of God is at work, they're more willing to listen. We have weapons that the world does not have. And it's our job to endure in showing that fruit of the Spirit in, in the weapons that God has given us. And not, not allow ourselves to just rely on the flesh. Uh, so often, you know, we get tired. Everybody gets tired at times. 
And when we get tired, we start wanting to do things in our own strength. And I, and I think everybody recognizes what I'm talking about here. We all have this. And at that time, that's especially the time when you've got to go back to God and say, Lord, I can't do it in my strength. I can't do it with my wisdom. I can't do it with my own ability. Just as, an uh, just as a personal example here, when I was um, a teenager, I was probably the shyest guy that you've ever met. Uh, if a girl looked at me sideways, I turned red. That's the truth. I really was that shy. Um, and no one would have ever thought that I have been a missionary. No way. That knew me then. Um, I was this long-haired, bushy kind of guy when I was unsaved. And you, you, you just never would have thought it. And then, when I got saved, all of a sudden, something changed. And my mouth opened. And it was a gift from God. I, do, I have the gift of teaching not because I had it before I got saved. It was because God gave it. Okay? And I have to say that the, we have to learn to rely on what God gives more and rely on self less. The last thing I want to share is this last section. And it's a section that I, I often, when I study this passage, jumped over. I have to admit that because I didn't think it was that important. But as I've, as I've grown in the Lord, I've come to realize it's really important. Um, verses 8 to 10, he gives us a list of difficulties. But if you look at it, it's in the form of contrasts. Notice with me. He says, by honor and dishonor. By an evil report and a good report. As deceivers, and yet true. Every time it's a contrast, right? You catch that? And what he's saying is that there's something true about us as God's, God's servant, as we serve him, and we keep on keeping on, but you know what? People don't always understand that. People will misunderstand you. And sometimes they give a good report, sometimes an evil report. Sometimes they look at you as a deceiver. You're not always going to be understood. Um, We've run across that in, our, in the days of our ministry at times. People misunderstanding us, giving an evil report. And we had to show that it was not true. Um, there are, he talks about some spiritual misunderstandings here in, the, in verse 8. In verse 9, he talks about some physical misunderstandings. He says, we live, we're, we, we're as dying, yet we live. We're chastened, yet not killed. Even some emotional ones. We're so, they, say, they say, you're sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. See that picture? There's all these misunderstandings that are going on. And it's sad, but it's true. If you serve God, if you're faithful, people aren't always going to understand you. It's just not going to be that way. Your family may not understand you. I, when I got saved, my parents did not understand. My relative, our relatives did not understand us until they got saved too. Then they understood why we were so dedicated. I remember we, when we first went to Hong Kong, our landlord, um, one time, we'd been there about eight months or so, I think. And my wife and I were, you know, of course, going down to, to church services, starting to trying to start the church. We were down there all the time. And he asked, you know, 
why do you got why are you guys always going to church every Sunday? I see you and uh, all these other times and well it's just it seems like it's just a waste of time. And I poked up, oh, you think so, huh? <laughs> he didn't understand. Unsaved people do not understand our dedication to the Lord. They never will. We should not expect it. And even, and I have to say this is sad, but even unspiritual Christians will not always understand us. They will not. And they may say bad things about you. But it's at those times when you show you're faithful. That's when you show it. Because you say, even though somebody's saying bad stuff about me, they don't understand. Even though there's bad things going on, I'm going to keep doing what God says to do. And I'm not going to let that stop me. That's what faithfulness looks like in a practical terms. And my prayer is that every one of us here will say, God, help me to just be faithful. To keep doing the simple stuff that you tell us to do. Instead of Letting somebody else stop me, I'm going to be a person that says, in this world, nothing's going to stop me. By the grace of God, nothing will stop me. I will go on for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the wonderful things you do in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you give strength to be faithful. That strength does not come from within. It comes from you. It comes because we are trusting in your resurrection power to enable us. And we ask that you would teach us, Lord, to keep on keeping on, faithfully serving you, doing the simple stuff day by day, sharing the gospel, helping people, influencing people, when we see them sharing some little bit more every time so that they might come to know you. Because we know that's what we're supposed to be about. Lord, I pray you'll bless everyone here in this service that we might, every one of us, one, when we come before you, you will say, well done, thou faithful and good servant. In Jesus' name, amen.